Hey, so we've uh, been in a teaching series called The Story, and it, it's uh, going in parallel with a, uh, a reading plan that we started in February, and we started reading through the, the book of Genesis, and now we're, we're into Exodus, and, and we've been, the Sunday talks have been uh, parallel to the, the reading from the week, and so we've been going through a lot of the Old Testament uh, narrative um, and reading some of these characters and their stories, and, and I'm beginning to see some, some common themes right, from, from Adam, and now we're all the way up into Moses, I, I'm starting to see some common themes of, of people who, who are not perfect, who are actually quite broken, um, yet they, they respond to God, and, and, and themes of his grace and his provision, pulling them through and leading them through. And, and as I read this, it's, it's good news for us, because we, like these characters, are, are also broken, and another theme that I'm seeing in this is that it's, it's a, a, a big story that's pointing towards Jesus. It's pointing towards this main character when Jesus takes on flesh and steps into this story. Now that we're, we're leading up to Easter, we're actually going to be pivoting to the New Testament and reading from uh, the book of Luke. Um, and these, by the way, these new uh, reading plans are available out in the lobby um, if you want to grab one, you're more than welcome to. Um, but this morning, we're going to be reading out the, the book of Luke. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. And if you look at Luke chapter 3, uh, you will see um, the descendants of Jesus dating back all the way to Adam. This, this story that began all the way with creation and, and with Adam and Eve and has gone all the way now till Jesus in the flesh. And we're going to be looking at, at his story and we're going to be looking at, at, at actually how Jesus was tempted how he dealt with temptation. And my hope is that as we look at, at Jesus and, and, and how he deals with his temptation, that, that we're seeing um, uh, with fresh eyes the power and the beauty of our Savior, but we're also seeing what it means to grapple with temptation, what it means to grapple with these, these choices that we, that we find. Jesus is certainly the, the one who saves us, but he's also the one that we follow. And, and I think the, the first part of that statement is a little bit more accessible. I understand Jesus as my Savior. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm a broken person. I'm a guilty person. I am in need of saving, and he is my Savior. But he, he's also the one that I follow. How do I follow in the footsteps of Jesus? How does he know what it's like to be me and to be you and to be human? That, that's not quite as accessible. It makes me think when I was in... Um, when I was in college, I, uh, my first year, I studied music. I set out to be a music major and quickly decided that was not my future. Um, but part of the program was music lessons. And um, so I had two, two guitar teachers, one who was not a very good, good guitar player, but a phenomenal teacher because he had to work so hard so he could explain it well. The second was a phenomenal guitar player, but a lousy teacher. And so our, our, our music lessons would go something like this. I mean, this guy played on albums. He was a professional. I mean, just phenomenal guitar player. So I'd show up with my guitar, sit across from him, and he'd say, all right, man, you just, you just feel it, and you just do it. And he just... It's like, I, I feel it, and that doesn't happen. And, and he was a lousy teacher because it just came natural for him. It, it was just it was simple for him. He, he would tell me, like, oh, I just feel it, and I, I, just, I can just do it. And and sometimes in my mind, when I, when I read about Jesus, I'm like, wow, he's just, he's just Jesus. He's just good, and he's, he lives this perfect life. He does these amazing things and says these things. He's, he's, 
He's different. And yet in this story we're going to read today, we're going to read that, no, he, he took on flesh, that he knows what it means to be human, that he knows what it means to be you and to be me and to live on this planet. He had to deal with temptation. Now, as we, as we talk about this, this idea of temptation, another word that we could use is, is testing. I want to just set a few ground rules, a, a few definitions and truths about temptation. Uh, first, temptation is always attached to a choice. Temptation or testing is always, always attached to a choice. There, there's a decision to be made. There's a direction to choose. Um, I, I, I don't go through temptation on someone else's will. That, that phrase, the devil made me do it. It, it doesn't work that way. There's, there's a choice. It, it's leading to a choice. Temptation is always attached to a belief. I think sometimes when we, when we think about temptation, we might think about it in terms of, well, there's this list of things I'm supposed to do and this list of things I'm not supposed to do. And temptation means uh, I'm, I'm being tempted to do one of these that I'm not supposed to do. And that's, that's a very simplistic and linear idea. But, but really, temptation is, is choosing a belief. What, what, what story do I believe? Do, do I believe God's story? Do I believe my story or someone else's story? What, what am I stepping into? What am I pursuing? Temptation is always attached to an outcome. There's fruit. Man, there's, there's been seasons and times I've gone through temptation and, and I've chosen God's story and I've seen the fruit of that, of, of growth and maturity and, 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 and growing closer to Jesus and, and growing to be more like him. And then there's times, many times, where, where I've, I've chosen a different narrative and, and I've had to reap some of the, the, the consequences of that. Temptation always leads to an outcome. And then temptation, lastly, with temptation, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has been overtaken or has overtaken you except what is common to, man, to humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you, can be, what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. As we look at the life of Christ and we look at this story and, and how he grapples with temptation to, to, to realize that, that God has given us provision for this. He has a plan for this. So let's, let's look at this story. Um, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4. Um, if you need a Bible, there's some on the shelves in the wings and it'll be uh, on the screen here behind me. Um, this is... Uh, we're picking up at the, the early stages of Jesus' uh, ministry. He's actually just getting ready to start his ministry. He's 30, uh, 30 years old and um, has just been baptized. And, and you'll see there in Luke 3 the, the, the genealogy leading up um, all the way from Adam to Jesus. And um, after he's baptized, this is what happens. Starting in verse 1, uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, which is the river he was baptized in, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. This is one of those instances where the, the Bible just gives a, a crude fact and kind of undersells it. He was starving. He, he was beyond hungry. I, I've never fasted for 40 days. I, I, I fasted for seasons that are much shorter than that, and it's very, very difficult 
what, what, what happens when we're hungry, what happens physiologically, and, and, and what happens in our mind. And, and, and this is where Jesus is. And, and actually, this word, it, it, it means something more than hungry. It means starving and suffering. That's the place that he's in, a place of, of, of starving and suffering and, and vulnerable. And this is the point at which Satan tempts Jesus. We're going to look at these, these three, the themes of these three temptations, and, and I can only assume that, that, that Satan is going to throw his A game, right? He's going to reach deep into the bag and get the best things that he has, the most challenging things, and, 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 and he wants Jesus to fail. And this is the, the, the first temptation, starting in verse 3. The devil said to him, if, if you are the son of God, he's questioning this, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. If you're the son of God, you claim to be, if you're the son of God, you're clearly starving, you clearly have the power to turn these stones into bread and to fulfill this need, why don't you do it? Now remember, at the beginning of this chapter, he was led in the wilderness by the spirit of God to this fast for a purpose. So he's being obedient by not eating and to create bread and to create food and to eat it would be deviating from God's plan. And so he says, man does not live off of bread alone. But this, this temptation that's put before him, there's an element of truth and it's, it's the temptation of desire and need. Now desires and need in and of themselves aren't, aren't bad. You need things. You desire things. I, I need and desire things. In and of themselves, they're not bad. In fact, there's an element of truth. Jesus needed to eat. After these 40 days, he certainly ate. He was a human like you and I. He, he needed food. He needed sustenance. The temptation in this is to elevate the desire and to elevate the need above obedience to God. And so for us, this, this question, does God care about and provide for my needs and my desires? our needs, and our desires. And that's, that's a pretty powerful influence in our lives. Tomorrow morning, um, we're going to get up. Many of us are going to get in a car and sit in, in traffic and, and go work. And many of us are going to go to class. So we're going we're gonna to do the things that we do to provide in, uh, for our needs and for our desires. And, and that's a good thing. The temptation is for that to become the ultimate thing, to become the narrative of my life to become the thing that I desire most, the thing that shapes me, the thing that I serve. Jesus says um, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, he addresses this. He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These words of Jesus, yes, you have needs. You have to eat. You have to provide. You have responsibilities. Your father knows these things. Don't chase after them as the pagans. What does that look like? What does it, what does it mean to come to this temptation and to choose to chase after provision and need? When I was... Um, much younger in my early 20s, not so much younger, just my, my early 20s, I had a, uh, a guy that, that I knew of, he was, he was older, he was retirement age, and um, I was just kind of enamored with his life. He seemed to just have it all, 
right? Um, he, he killed it in his industry. He was well-respected, very wise, um, had all the toys and, and, and could just kind of do what he wanted to do in life. And, and, and I remember sitting with him one time and, and we were having a conversation about it and, and I was just kind of admiring his life. And he said, Adam, you, you don't see the cost I've had to pay for this. See, he, he was someone who, who saw success and ran after it as the ultimate. And he ran, he ran, he says, I, I don't have a relationship with my family. I live a very lonely life. And it was eye-opening for me to see, man, that, 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 that there's a cost of just running after this provision, running after our needs. And, and Jesus says, your father knows, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. This is the temptation for Jesus to turn these stones into bread and to take provision into his hands. So Satan tries again. In the next temptation, it says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus responds, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So this, this second temptation, um, Satan takes Jesus somewhere. And, and in my mind, as I, as I envision this, it's, it's more of a vision because there's not a high point on a round planet that you can see everything. But, but Satan presents to Jesus all the kingdoms and all the authority and all the people on the world and, and says, hey, if, if, if you'll just simply worship me, if you'll give me your affection, I'll give you all of this. Now, why is this tempting to Jesus? Now, for this is going to be revolutionary. For, for something to be tempting, it has to tempt you, right? It has to resonate with something inside of you. If, if I started a diet tomorrow and you came at me with ice cream, I could pass it up no problem. I don't really like ice cream. If you had a bag of potato chips, that would be different. It resonates. It's, it's something that, that I like. It's something that I want. This tempted Jesus. Now think about it. What, what's Jesus doing here? He was sent from the Father. We read this in John 3, 16. He was sent from the Father to mankind. And then it says in 3, 17, not to condemn the world, but, but through him the world might be saved. He's on a mission. He's on a mission to save the world and to save the people. And, and he knows that ultimately this is leading to the cross. But, but, but wait, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another way that this can happen. Satan says, hey, I'll give you all those things. Man, the cross, the crown of thorns, the beating, the betrayal, man, that, no, that, that's going to be, that's too much. Just, if you just simply worship me, I'll give you the world. It's the temptation of control. The temptation of I can accomplish what I'm set out to do in my own will, by my own terms. This is a temptation that you and I will wrestle with a lot. I, I have to own, this is one that I wrestle with a lot. The surrendering, the surrendering to God's direction, to his method, and to his timing. Surrendering to where God is leading me. Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Who am I supposed to be? What is the direction? I'm, I'm submitting that to God, but, but then also submitting the method by which he's leading me and submitting to timing. 
I've ran into this temptation over and over again. Man, I, I've even felt it, and, and we've communicated this, I've even felt it in the season for us as a church. We're going into 2019, the year of Jubilee. This is going to be a new story. It's going to be a fun and exciting, and we get to January 2nd. I'm like, it's taking forever. Come on, let's go. And, and I've experienced and felt this in my life where I'm, I'm in a moment where God says, wait, okay, oh, but what about this? What about this? No, no, wait. My direction, my method, my timing. I've become a plant collector in my office, and uh, I don't know why they, they made me happy, but I, I had this one, it's called a stag fern. It's really cool looking, and I, and I decided to mount it on the wall, and it didn't go well with it. It got really sick and started shriveling up, and so I, I got online and researched how to nurse it back to health, and there's all these steps and all these things you have to do and ever, so I threw it away and bought a new one. <laughs> That's... That's kind of how things work, right? God, you, you were leading me down this path. There's clearly a dead end, so all right, I'm going to go this way now. I'm going to control it. God, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't see how your way is going to work, so let's use my method because my methods, they, they work. God, you've called me here, and you've called me to be in this place. You've called me to stay, but this looks so good. I, I think I'm going to just change my direction. This temptation is, is one of belief. Control. Do I believe in, in his story and the story that he wants to tell in and through? Am I willing to submit to his direction, to his method, and to his timing? And Jesus says, man, I, I'm not going to worship anyone but my father. Yeah, maybe that would be a shortcut, but, but I'm not going to worship anyone but my father because this is the direction he has given me. This is his method, and this is his timing. And so Satan tries one last time. It says this in verse 9. The devil led, led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, Satan's going to quote scripture, Jesus. It's crazy. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So this third temptation is, is one of, of affirmation. Hey, if, if you're really the son of God, if you're really who you say you are, man, th throw yourself off this building. Because if you are who you say you are, your father will send angels and they'll guard you and they'll protect you. They won't let you hit the ground and, and you can know in yourself and you can display to everyone around you the affection and the affirmation of, of your father. This, this temptation, this desire for us to say to God, we want you to affirm us in our way, in our method, in our mode. And yet, what, what had just happened before this? In Luke 3, there's a beautiful story that's captured that Jesus, being obedient to the Spirit, goes out to the Jordan River and is baptized by John. And he comes up out of the water, and, and there's just this beautiful moment where the, the sun is there in the river, and the, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and then the voice of the Father says these words, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. 
The Father affirms Jesus. You are my son whom I love. I am well pleased. At this point, we, we don't have a record of any miracles that he's done, any healings, no raising people from the dead and, and healing lepers and, and, and speaking in the synagogue and preaching truth and, and defending the poor. He, he hadn't done those things yet, and his father says, my son, I love you. Son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. So when Satan brings this temptation, hey, why don't, why don't you make your father affirm you? He's been affirmed. He's a son of God, and he's loved. He brings pleasure to his father. This temptation for affirmation and, 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 and to want to control God and to have him affirm me in my timing and, and in my way when, when he's already done this. He's affirmed us by sending his son. And I think Satan would want nothing more than for you to look everywhere but this story for affirmation. Look towards relationships. Look towards things. Look towards places. Look, look towards our vocation. This, this is the reason I exist. This is, this is what affirms me. And, 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 and when we choose that, our lives will, will resemble that of a roller coaster. The constant up, the constant down. Affirmation and this need for affirmation when we sit in that temptation and to choose to say and believe what Jesus said, oh, my, my father loves me. He's well pleased with me. I, I, I don't need to, to do that. I don't need to display that. I don't need to jump off this building to prove it to you or to myself or to anyone else. This, this is a temptation that, that I've had seasons in my life of wrestling with. Now, I've, I've met people who... who um, I just perceive them to have a quiet confidence and they just kind of go through life and they don't seem to need the, the need for affirmation and good for them. That is not me. I've been in seasons in my life where I've just, man, God, where, where are you? You're not showing up in the way that, that I feel like I need you to, that I'm expecting you to, that, that I want for you to. And, and in this temptation, there can be this desire to look other places. Ah, oh, there's affirmation. There's, there's, there's something I can choose over here, and, and, and that, that there's a pivoting from one narrative to another. And yet, in all these temptations, Jesus doesn't fail. In all these temptations, he points to a higher story, a higher narrative. He says, it is written, it is written, it is said. He, he doesn't even fight Satan with his own words. He, he points to the story. The, the, the one that began at creation and that is leading to him and, and is leading to revelation where all things will be made new. He says, no, 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 there's already a story that's told. I'm, I'm pointing to this story. This is the one that's shaping me. This is, this is the one that, that, that I'm choosing. I, I'm staying here. He chooses this story over and over and over again. These three temptations, the temptation of desire, need, of control, and affirmation, I have failed all these multiple times. And so when I, when I think of and when I hold this idea of temptation, on one hand, I know and I realize that, that the decision is on me. That's, that's the will, the free will that I'm given. That's, that's the gift that God has given to me. But, but the power and the grace is supplied by Jesus. Jesus so that I'm not shipwrecked in this, that I'm not left alone in this. 
Jesus displays for us when we face temptation, we, we align ourselves with the bigger story, with the story of God. And he's also our champion. He's also the one who gives us access to grace and mercy. Listen to these words in, in Hebrews 4. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. The story that we're looking at today, it's, it's twofold. It's, it's Jesus living fully human, showing us how, how to approach temptation and to choose God's story and his narrative. He's, he's displaying this for us so that we can walk in his footsteps. But this is also the story of Jesus, the man who lived perfect, who went to the cross and resurrected after three days and takes what is death and brings life. In my story, there are many failed temptations, but it's not a failed life because of the work of this man and what he's done. It's the reason when we, when we come together here on a Sunday morning, we, as part of our worship, we have this table set up with the, the bread and the juice uh, represent, representing the, the body that was broken and the blood that was spilt on the cross. And, and we take this in full remembrance of who Jesus is, remembering also that he knows what it's like to be you and to be me. Our high priest empathizes. He understands. He was tempted. He was drawn to that different story and, and yet was able to resist it and to be our savior. As we approach this table today, my, uh, my hope, my challenge for you is to come and celebrate a savior who gives freely his mercy and his grace and to think in your own life, how you follow in his footsteps. When that, that temptation to make your needs and your desires the ultimate thing, when, when that temptation of, of, of control, wanting it to be my, my direction, my method, my timing, or the temptation of affirmation, looking anywhere but Christ for affirmation, when those things arise, how is Jesus teaching us to walk with him through that? Father, I, I, um, I thank you for your words. Um, I thank you that, that in your words there is power. Um, and I pray today, um, as we are all here and we are all wrestling with, with our own humanity and, and you know what that's like and what it feels like, and I pray um, just for a sense of grace as we approach the table uh, to know that you're merciful and that you're good and you're powerful. And I, I, I also pray for a sense of courage as we wrestle with what it means to obey you and to follow you and, and, and to remain in your story and your narrative over and over and over again when we're tempted to, to depart from it. I pray that you strengthen us, that you lead us. We thank you, Lord, in your name.